You're listening to the Habitology Podcast with Melanie White. Today, I'd like to discuss being the CEO with you. I guess the questions come up because a few people have been talking to me about transitioning from a work role into running a business or becoming the CEO of a company. And it's quite a different mindset. It's quite a shift in responsibilities and role. So I'd really like to talk to you about that today. And we're going to be exploring things like, well, what does it actually take to be a good manager or leader or a CEO in an organization? And when you're in your own business, how do you become that leader for yourself? We're going to talk about all of those things, including adjusting expectations and really getting clear on what you need to do to become the CEO of a business, your business or your own life. I'd like to share a little anecdote for you, which might be really relevant, which is the first thing of going from being an employee in a company to becoming a leader, because this is where I started my journey when I was 25, co-founding a company, building a small team of staff, and then actually having to step up into a leadership role at a young age was quite challenging because I'd had such a sheltered life. I hadn't done much travel. I'd been to university. I'd had a few different jobs, but really this was a whole different kettle of fish. And so I'm reflecting on my time when I was an employee and becoming a leader of a company and the things that had to change for me. And so without going into the details yet of what makes a good CEO or a great leader, I'm thinking about how uncomfortable it was initially that people would be looking to me for direction and guidance and that I would have to step up and be a certain kind of person. And you might be feeling that too. You might be thinking, gee, I've only ever worked for somebody else. I've never stepped into a leadership role and I'm not quite sure how to do that or what's expected of me. So if you're feeling like that right now, I totally get it because you're no longer just working in your own way, in your own time and working with a team, suddenly you have a higher level role, a more strategic role. And I remember having to think about things like processes, for example. I remember in that first business when we had about nine staff on the team and I realized that we didn't have any procedures for doing things and started writing all these procedures in consultation with the team and they were saying what are you the protocol queen (laughs) and it was really funny and I said well if one person makes a fairly reasonable mistake each week we've got nine people on the team that's nine mistakes being made each week and if we have clear procedures and if we have systems we can minimize or even eliminate those mistakes so one of the first things I learned stepping into a leadership role is that We need to come together to align on how we do things and develop the processes that everyone can follow to maintain high quality work, accuracy, and to be efficient and save time, to be professional. So I think for me, that was one of the first places I started stepping into a leadership role was looking at processes and systems that create a more professional, high quality and consistent outcome. And that make it easy for everyone to do their jobs. And I think then that was the second thing I learned about leadership was that people don't know what to expect when they're working with you, either as a client 
or as an employee. So it's really important to have upfront conversations, negotiations, contracts in terms of engagement so that when you're looking to work with anybody, you're both really clear on what you are both going to get out of working with each other and what the rules of engagement are. And this is really important for managing risks. If you don't do this, if you don't start with clear contracts and agreements up front, there's huge scope for mistake, misunderstanding, and all those sorts of other things which can affect customer experience. So that was probably the next thing I was looking at in terms of our staff, or actually perhaps that was the first thing come to think of it, but those two things were key areas that I was looking at. Luckily, I had a business partner at the time who had been doing the more strategic work, but I guess the other thing was learning to think about where the business is going and what we're trying to achieve rather than just doing the work of the business. And I think this is probably one of the most challenging things for you if you've only ever been an employee. You're so used to coming in and just doing the work. You've got to learn how to step back and see the bigger picture and say, well, what am I working towards? And I think that's a great advantage that you have if you're a coach because you've learned how to create visions and you can create a business vision and think about where you'd like to be and where you'd like to go, what that looks like, and then make the plan to get there. So that even though you're working in your business, doing the coaching work or whatever other work you're doing, you still have that bigger picture plan of where it's going to take you and how your business is going to grow and develop. So these are the sorts of things that in a business sense you need to do to go from an employee to a CEO or a company leader. But there's also the personal things that have to change. You have to become an emotional adult. You have to learn to communicate effectively and be a team player. You have to learn to manage your emotions, regulate your behaviours. I remember when that first company of mine was a bit bigger and we had a lot of staff having weekend parties, going to pubs, and I had to make a decision about how engaged I was in those activities and how, uh, how could I say this nicely, how off the rails I decided to be because some of them were having these huge party weekends and maybe that wasn't a good look for myself as a, as a leader in that company at the time. So I had to think very carefully about what sort of example I wanted to set my personal integrity, how I wanted to be perceived, and to have a really clear separation between the social side of work and who I was there and my leadership role. And I realised there were certain things that I couldn't do socially if I wanted to be respected as a leader. So I really had to grow up a lot in that role. And that's probably some of the key things generally that come up for you when you're stepping into that sort of role. They're the sorts of adjustments that you have to make. And then the, the really interesting thing is that when you step out of a team environment and into an individual environment where you're running your own business, that's also tricky because what does it take for you to transition from a job or leading a company into being the CEO of your own business? I've had this experience too when I left that company I was doing some contract work helping another business start up, but I was also reinventing myself. And 
I previously had a team to do a whole bunch of things for me. I could delegate a lot of tasks to office managers and HR and admin and those sorts of things or to specific teams in the company to do particular projects. Suddenly it was me on my own having to do everything. So I think that when you're in, a, in your own business as a CEO and you're stepping out of a team environment, you still have to be able to delegate in terms of outsourcing the stuff that you don't like and aren't good at. You need to find a way to shed all of the things that you're not good at and stay in your zone of genius so you can run the business effectively without being overwhelmed or swamped or irritated. That comes down to manage, managing your energy and building resilience because on your own, you don't have somebody to bounce ideas off. You really do need to be more personally accountable for your own well-being so that you have the resilience to handle all of the stuff that's going to come at you. You might have a huge bunch of people wanting to sign up for your next program. You might have an angry customer. You might have technology failure. All sorts of things can happen in your own business. You might have three clients that want to meet you on the same day or wonder where your office is and you don't have one. You might need to figure out how to run webinars. There are so many things that can happen in a business. And when you're on your own, you need to be level-headed, clear-headed and to be able to make decisions. It can be hard on your own and you might need to find somebody to brainstorm with or bounce ideas off because when you're in it and you're doing everything in the business, it's hard to see what's really going on. You can't see the wood for the trees. You have to kind of step off that treadmill and create the space for that strategic thinking if you don't have support around you. I said when I moved out of that role that I had moved from zero to zero. I moved to a place where I knew nobody and started again from scratch having to do all of the things. It was really tough. I probably don't even give myself enough credit for that transformation. But even today I was talking to somebody about how what seems logical in a conversation with them was actually quite difficult to put into practice because they're so busy working in their business. So I guess you might be hearing some themes here about whether you're a CEO in a company or an organization stepping into that role or transitioning to being a leader in your own life. There are some traits that make up a good CEO. And I want to talk about some of these now and invite you to think about where your strengths are or what gaps you might need to fill. Firstly, there's inspired leadership, a good CEO, a great leader, can inspire themselves and inspire and motivate the people that they're working with and their clients. Think about that, actually, how much energy it takes and work it takes for you to be inspired. For some people, it's easy, natural optimists. For some people, it's difficult, naturally a bit negative or under a lot of stress. So to be an inspired leader, what does it take? Well, going back to resilience, it probably means that you need to have enough space in your calendar to do the things that build you up, light you up and help you to feel positive. And it also points to you working in your zone of genius and outsourcing the things that drain you. Also qualifying your customers and knowing who you love working with and who is not the right fit for you. So you're trying to eliminate the grind out of your life and create enough space and time for your own self-care 
and your own well-being. I think that's so critical for inspired leadership. Really running a business requires creativity. So to be a great CEO, you need to be inspired and creative. And that means you need to be able to manage stress effectively so that you can motivate others, develop a clear vision and communicate that vision clearly and work toward that vision. You need the space to be able to think strategically and, and big picture about what the business does and where it's going. You also need to be able to make tough decisions under pressure. So instead of feeling overwhelmed and rolling your chair over to the next cubicle and saying to your colleague, hey, I'm really stuck with something, can you help me? Or I can't decide, what should I do? You might be sitting on your own in the study going, gosh, how do I ever make that decision? And once again, creating enough time, space and resilience are important, but you also might need to identify who supports you in your business. Do you have a business coach? Do you have a personal coach? Do you have a group where you can go and debrief and brainstorm and network with? What are your opportunities to create that? So we're starting to talk about some key things that will help you to be the CEO in your own life. You need to have exceptional communication skills. What is it that you're going to work on and practice and polish up as part of your professional development? I've had a lot of experience with writing and I feel my writing is reasonably good, but now I'm having some training in speaking. I've done a lot of teaching and speaking, but I can learn to be better. So that's something I'm working on at the moment. Where might you want to improve your communication skills and what would you need to do to do that? I think a couple of other things that are important for CEOs include being agile and responsive and emotionally intelligent. Today, for example, I woke up and I found that an event I was about to launch can't go ahead. My computer mouse stopped working in the middle of a session. The internet dropped out and I had to somehow restart a Zoom meeting with somebody. And then somebody else wasn't available for an event coming up that's being planned and I had to find a replacement. And there were a few other things that happened today, but that's four things that happened that required me to be agile and responsive. I had to think, how am I going to resource those things? Who's going to step into that event instead? How do I reschedule the next two weeks? How can I pick up and continue this Zoom meeting? And what do I do about this bloody computer mouse? <laughs> if you're highly stressed and if you're not looking after yourself, you may not have the bandwidth to deal with those things. So once again, that as a personality trait, learning to become a creative problem solver can be really helpful or finding someone that can perform that task for you to work alongside can be useful. I want to talk about a few other things too. When you work on your own particularly, a lot of people talk about discipline and I'm not really sure that discipline is the right word. I think it's actually integrity and that fits with accountability. It's doing what you say you will do and holding yourself to account, which means documenting the things that you need to do, making sure that they get done and setting and achieving those goals helps you build a sense of confidence. It means that you stay inside your scope of practice. All of these things make up integrity. 
So the way you conduct yourself, the way you show up to meetings, the way you manage your time and your tasks, being honest about things you can't do or don't know how to do, all of those things are important character traits that help you to run a business with integrity. Delegation, as I mentioned, is still important. If you don't have a certain skill set, you need to be able to pass those things on. Also, you need to have good financial skills. I remember when I started that first business as a co-founder, I went to Curtin University and did a six-week course on financial management. And it was so helpful because we were being led by a senior university professor and he walked us through common elements of financial aspects of a business, including scenarios. What would we do in this case or that case? So it was incredibly helpful for me to have that early on in my career. And there are always new things to learn about financial stuff in businesses. So brushing up on your financial skills and doing training in that and understanding what the business numbers mean and what your KPIs are is incredibly important. I mentioned risk earlier in the sense of contracts, but it's really important for you as a coach or another practitioner to be able to, to identify and manage potential risks in your business. Because if you don't, then things can go terribly wrong and lead you to litigation. Once again, if you're doing anything with health records, you need to be looking at privacy, cybersecurity, your contracts, what you do with data, what you do and don't promise you can do, your marketing and how clear that is and specific and not making any false claims. Apart from other things, ensuring you can deliver on the services that you promise. There's lots of ways to manage risk, including considering competitors or anything that might oust your business from the market, people that might undercut you. So there is a lot to think about. But really, I guess the key message for me is, or from me to you, is that the more you can hold yourself together with time, space, self-care and energy to create resilience, the better equipped you will be to have these traits and to be a good leader in your own business or in another business. My recent evolution has been stepping out of running my own business for oh, 15, 20 years into running a team in Sage Women's Health. And that has been a huge journey for me. I've had to relearn how to delegate and to not take responsibilities. And it's actually easy to delegate, but when you're used to doing everything yourself, you forget that there are other people that you're working with. So I would encourage you to think about areas that you might need to build, areas that are potentially strong already and that you can leverage, where you might need to get external support, what you might need to outsource, and develop a bit of a plan to develop the skills that you need to step up into a leadership role, whether that be in a company or in your own business. And please don't be afraid to ask for help. I burnt out in my first role as a business leader because I didn't ask for help. I took on so much responsibility and I didn't delegate. 
and I ended up doing the work of probably two and a half people and I did none of it very well in the end because I was so mentally and emotionally exhausted. You can do it differently. You can get support, you can ask for help and you can find joy in your business. You can create the space you need to bring something brilliant to the world. And when you follow your passion, you're going to naturally develop these traits. When you have space, time and energy to be your best, you're naturally going to develop the traits of a great leader. I will leave you with that thought and I look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.